It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only, call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday, August 25th is ready to roll, and we hope you are as well. The number to call is 877-381-4567. The email address to use is questions at collegeview.com, and the chat room is open to the right of your video window if you're watching us live on the program tonight. We have an interesting program, and my father, Greg Wynn, is here to help with that program tonight. Dad, welcome to the program. Jacob, great to be with you tonight. We look forward to a good discussion on the virtual Bible study. We sure do, and uh, introduce that subject for us. All right, we haven't talked about evidences in a while, and and we're going to talk about what that means. Prove it. I guess we're going to get into what that means, but uh, we want to talk about why we believe what we believe concerning God, Jesus Christ, His Son, the Holy Spirit's work in revealing the inspired Word of God and all such things. For those of us who are people of faith, why do we believe what we believe? It's not enough to say, I believe there's a God. We've got to be able to explain why we believe there is a God, why we think without doubt that Jesus is his uh, only begotten Son and so forth. So we're going to talk about evidences tonight. Why are you a believer, basically? Okay, tell us why. And so we, we've got three questions we sent out earlier today to our update list. And as always, we remind you, get on that list if you'd like by sending us an email, questions at collegeview.com. Put add me to the list in the subject line, and we will do that. Uh, on Thursdays, we send out an update telling you what our topic for discussion is going to be and also giving you some questions that we intend to pursue Get your feedback started even earlier in the day before the program how much begins. Is that, how much does it cost to get on that email list? It's absolutely free. All right. And we, and we won't spam you. We no do spam. But actually, there is an, an, uh, another benefit to those who are on the list. Yes. And that is that earlier in the week, usually on Tuesday, they get a, an electronic version of our church bulletin. All right. On Tuesday. So you get two emails from us a week. Uh, it's not We're not going to overwhelm you, but uh, if you'd like to be on the list, let us know. Our question uh, the questions we sent out today were, first, what is the link between faith and evidence? Mm-hmm. What is that link between faith and In other words, how does our faith depend upon evidence and so forth? Number two, give some examples. Internal evidence, external evidence. We'll want to define what we mean by that, but give us examples, first of all, of internal evidence, secondly, of external evidence. And then third, what are the benefits of studying evidences? Why should we want to? What does it do for us? What are the benefits of studying evidences? Those are the questions we want to pursue in our study tonight, Jacob. And we're going to need some help from our listeners. And the way you help is by giving us a call toll-free, 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. There's a lot of people in the chat room tonight. Uh, you might enjoy the discussion there. A lot of uh, introductory remarks being exchanged there in the chat room. We've got some friendly folks there. And so uh, join in there in the discussion tonight as we talk about evidence for our faith. And uh, is God asking us to take a blind leap of faith. Uh, you believe uh, when uh, he asks us to believe. Uh, Dad, is he asking us to take a blind leap? 
Well, that's the thing we want to investigate. Is there a basis in evidence? For what, in other words, is there some substance to what we believe, or is it, is it just blindly? You know, uh, if you were to ask a grade school student, have you ever heard of evolution? Mm-hmm. They would say yes. They've heard of it. In fact, they could probably give you a definition, pretty accurate definition of what evolution is. And so what that's telling us is that our uh, that the, the faith of believers even starting with children at a very young age, is being attacked with atheism, humanism, the liberal media, and so forth. They're attacking our faith. Right. Uh, and so it is very important for us to have a strong foundation of faith, why we believe. Okay. Uh, it, it's, it's really not enough uh, to just believe because someone told us it was so. Our parents, for instance, told us there is a God, therefore we should believe it because our parents said so. I mean, we love our parents and appreciate them giving us early instruction in religious things. But it's not enough. Our faith will not be strong enough to face the bombardments that we're receiving in our modern age, at least. It probably never was, but certainly in our modern age, it's not enough to say, I believe because my father believed. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we, we love our parents for the upbringing they gave us in the Lord. But we've got to come to, to grips with the reasons for our own faith. Why We've got to... We've got to investigate, see if the evidence is there that that justifies believing the things we believe. So what you're saying is the society that we live in, perhaps now more than ever, is attacking our faith, uh, the, the premise of our faith. You know, maybe that maybe it's changed than, than from what it was earlier, where now the very fundamental premise of our faith is being attacked. Yeah, and, and we've all known people who have fallen away because of these kinds of attacks. Uh, Jake, you remember a fellow we interviewed on the Virtual Bible Study a good while back yep. named Dan Barker, mm-hmm. who was once a preacher, mm-hmm. and now he's an antagonistic atheist. Very well known in the media for yeah. you know, attacking Christianity. Probably uh, the media likes him for that. That may be why he gets so much exposure. Yeah. So uh, there's certainly uh, a, a need for some discussion about evidences. That's what we want to do in our program tonight. All right. 877-381-4567 is the toll-free number to call tonight. Do we have, like, some giveaways for the first 25 callers? Can we have free shipping or something? For Well, we won't charge a subscription to listen to the Virtual Bible Study if you are one of the first 25 callers. We'll pay the sales tax. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, Kevin hey. in the chat room. Go ahead. It uh, says, uh, speaking of evidence, I like to think of the premise that is referred to when I begin reading the, this passage. Genesis chapter 1. 1, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And the darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Um, Kevin says it all begins with God existing even before the elements that we see around us. Exactly right. And so we got, we've, got, we've got the existence of God as the fundamental thing upon which everything else rests. And we've, yeah. got, and we've got to deal with that, yeah. with the proof of that. Okay. You know, I want to go back to what you said, Jay. We're dealing with questions like how did our universe originate? How old is the earth? Where did life come from? Is the God of the Bible the one who's really responsible for designing, creating the universe? Uh, Is the teaching of creation compatible with the known laws of science? Is the Bible inspired? Is Jesus the Nazareth, the divine son of God? Did Jesus rise from the dead? Should we? Is it reasonable? Should we believe in the miracles the Bible talks about? All those kind of things are involved in this study. Here's what's interesting. I, I found a, a, a it's a rather old survey. Now I, I dug out of some notes that I had, and uh, this was in USA Reports. It said 74% of Americans believe there is a heaven and a hell. 
which you know you, you might think, oh, that's that's a that's a good sign, that's commendable, that you know that that's higher than you might imagine. But then it went on to say, the survey, same survey that said 74% of Americans believe in heaven and hell, say 50% believe in ESP, extrasensory perception. 41% believe there is human life elsewhere in the universe. 25% are sure they've been visited by aliens from outer space via UFOs. 15% believe in reincarnation. So what's scary is people are believing. The, the, the suggestion is that to believe in the things that the Bible teaches is in the same league as believing in extraterrestrials. Mm. You know, uh, there's no evidence to support extraterrestrials. There, there's no evidence to support re reincarnation. There's no evidence that there's life elsewhere in the universe. But there is evidence and that's what we were talking about in our study tonight. There is evidence that says what the Bible says is true. So you're saying that people lump faith in with those other things without much, uh, without evidence. Yeah, they're just saying. They're just saying. Yeah, I think so. Faith I, is I, one I believe. Of those. I believe it. I believe in UFOs, man. I believe. You no, know, have you ever seen one? No, have you ever have you ever been on one? You ever, you know, did you ever talk to a out uh, an alien from outer space no 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 i don't but, but i just think there are some and people say view and, their faith in god the same and way people saying believing in gods like believing in ufos and we're saying absolutely not it is those are those things are not similar to believe in god uh, is reasonable based upon the evidence to believe what the bible teaches is is absolutely logical when one considers the things that support those conclusions. All right, then explain to me this. How is it faith if I, st if I have evidence? How is it still faith? Is it not uh, empirical or is it not um, provable if I have evidence? Why do I still need faith? Well, I, I, I suppose we could go to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, that says faith is the, uh, the, the, the evidence. See, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, we didn't see it. We didn't see Jesus raised from the dead, but we could. We can produce a, a logical argument that suggests the evidence that we should believe it even though we didn't personally experience it. All right. Uh, I guess it would be similar to someone in a court case. Uh, people in the, you know, the, the lawyers are presenting evidence. They don't have... They, they, can't re they can't reproduce it, yeah. but they have evidence. And the jury can make a decision, a unanimous decision, based upon that evidence. But in the end, they it's evidence. It's not, you know, it's not. You didn't see it, but you right. have evidence that it happened. In other words, if there's a murder trial and we're trying to convict this guy of shooting another person, we can't reproduce the event, but right. we can produce enough facts that lead to the inescapable conclusion that that fella did the murder. All right. And you're saying the similar is true of our faith in yeah. God and what he's told. I, I, I was thinking uh, here about, uh, Jacob, have you ever heard of the International Flat Earth Society? Yes, I have. And actually, they make a religious uh, uh, spin on that. I've got a, I think you've got the same book, a yeah. thick book on explaining why the earth is round. No, 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 uh, that's no, the centrist. Ge ge geocentrism. That's geocentrism, yeah. yeah. The, but there is a, an International Flat Earth Society they claim they claim they believe that they still believe that the Earth is flat, despite abundant evidence to the contrary. Uh, they believe, in spite of the evidence, the evidence says the Earth is round. They they continue to hold to the view that the Earth is flat, and therefore, 
they are they're believing what they believe in spite of the evidence to the contrary. A lot of people say that believing in God is like that, that we have to sort of just take a blind leap. We have to ignore reason and logic and just believe that there is a God, even though the, the, the significant evidence points to the, to the conclusion that he, there is no God. And that's just simply not true. All right. 877-381-4567. Email questions at collegeview.com. Uh, we'll go to the phones now and uh, we'll take a call. Uh, welcome. Who, who am I speaking with? Uh, this is Jacob and uh, Greg on the Virtual Bible Study. You're on the air. Oh, uh, Jacob. Uh, well, uh, I really would need to talk to somebody offline. Is there anybody offline? Sure, we call? can do that. We can take you offline. Uh, we'll uh, we'll do that, and uh, we appreciate. We we'll get Jeff running our controls tonight. We will get Jeff, Jeff, Jeff to pick can up take your Jeff okay. can take your comment. Okay. All right. Uh, we, we were talking about people say that believing in God is like believing in UFOs, and and that's just simply not so. We've got evidence to support our faith, and, and but, but uh, we should make the point, Jacob. This is not an unusual thing. We we believe in things based upon evidence all the time. For instance, here's an illustration: when you go to the pharmacy and have a prescription filled, mm-hmm. upon what basis do you believe that that's the right pill you're supposed to be taking? You know that is that is troubling because. The, I've seen those. Can you read those prescriptions? I don't know what those prescriptions mean. I can't even read the handwriting the doctor writes it out in. I can't make out anything. Yeah. So how do you know, on what basis do you have confidence that the pill you're taking is what the doctor wanted you to take? I think it's dangerous. <laughs> well, but it may be dangerous, but I'll tell you what the evidence is. When you go to the pharmacy, that pharmacist's got a certificate on the wall there that says he's been to pharmacy school. Huh? In other words, and he is... Uh, certified uh, he he has been it, he has the documentation to prove that he's supposed to know what he's doing there right and so you come away from that pharmacy with some degree at least of confidence that this is right because he's got stuff on the shelf there to kill you if you do yeah it. yeah i mean he, if he's wrong it could be deadly but yeah. you 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 act in faith based upon the evidence that that pharmacist couldn't be there doing that if he wasn't uh duly licensed and properly educated in the business of pharmaceuticals. So what you're saying is we use faith, we have faith in various aspects of our life, not just in religious aspects of our life. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, If you were to, here's a dictionary definition, I wrote it down, a dictionary definition of evidence, ground for belief, which tends to prove or disprove something, data presented to a quarter jury in proof of facts at issue and which may include testimony of witnesses, records, documents, or objects. And so get, get that last part. What is evidence? It's data presented to convince someone. Mm-hmm. That data may include the testimony of witnesses, records, documents, or objects. And that's basically what we're doing when we look at the Bible. And so you're looking at it, and you're gathering this evidence. And then it is going to be the basis of your faith. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. Kevin says, I have faith that my pharmacist did not get his diploma by using his color laser jet printer. Right, that he did just print I mean, up that, his own. I mean, you, you think about all the different. But really, now, even that, Kevin, why do you have that faith that he didn't print up his own diploma? Because there's another bit of evidence that says if he got caught doing that, printing up his own diploma, they'd throw him in the jail. Yeah. So we're not we're not terribly concerned that that's a bogus diploma sitting on the pharmacy wall, because we believe that nobody would do that 
in view of laws that are in place and enforcement of the laws that likely would take place if he was a counterfeit pharmacist. All right. So there's all kinds of evidence there that leads us to the conclusion we should believe that we're getting the right prescription. And you're saying it's bits and pieces. It's not just one piece of evidence that gives you that, that conclusion. It's various pieces that you can gather, and that's the way we uh, gain evidence for our faith about God is these different pieces that we can put together. Again, not empirical, uh, not uh, not provable in any laboratory, but evidences that God has revealed to us, and we'll talk about them as we go along on the program tonight. We're going to take a break, and we'll hopefully get your comments on the other side. Give us a call, send us an email, join in the chat room. Don't go anywhere. The Virtual Bible Study continues right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this. Do you remember when you went to church and heard sermons that clearly set forth the New Testament plan of salvation? Can you recall when churches rang out with lessons that plainly exposed false teachers and false doctrines? Can you think back to a time when preachers and members of the church were set for the defense of the gospel, Philippians 1.17? If you are craving to find a congregation that is like the church you can remember from years ago, like the church back in the first century, please visit with us soon. We're trying hard to be a church just like the church you remember, like the one you read about in the Bible. Come and see. Visit us at the College View Church of Christ this Sunday morning at 9.30 a.m. Here are some quotes worth pondering. What you worship determines what you become. When you meet temptation, turn to the right. Alexander the Great, upon being asked how he had conquered the world, replied, By not delaying. We cannot do everything at once, but we can do something at once. Postponed obedience is disobedience. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. And the virtual Bible study rolls along tonight as we talk about evidences for our faith. Jacob, we, the first question we asked was, what's the link between faith and evidence? And that's basically what we've been talking about. Yeah, that's what about, we've been talking about, yeah. That, that faith is based upon evidence. You know, uh, in the Scripture, we ought to go to the Scriptures and emphasize that a little bit from John chapter 20. Verses 30 and 31, John wrote, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. In other words, John says this evidence is presented so that you can have faith. Uh, so faith and evidence are inseparable. Right. And And I think for that reason, we'll talk more about this at the end of the program, for that reason we need to be skilled in presenting the evidence so that we can help people come to a faith in the things that the Bible teaches. Now, uh, I, I remember an episode in uh, Matthew chapter 11, beginning verse 2. When John had heard in, in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples, and he said to him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said to them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached unto them. And blessed is he whomsoever shall not be offended in me. That's, that's, well, he's presenting some evidence there. You know, when, when, they, when, when the disciples of John ask him, are you the one? Are we looking for someone else? He didn't say, well, of course uh, I'm the just, one. You just, just believe you got to believe. You just got to believe. Just grit your teeth and go for it. Just, just take that blind leap. Yeah. Accept the fact. Just accept that I am the one. Yeah. He didn't say that. Yeah. Instead, when they ask him, are you the one, he said, you go back and tell John what you've been seeing. You go back and relate to him the miracles that you've been observing, and that will be the answer. John will be able to draw the conclusion. Yeah, evidences. Based upon the evidence. Yeah. All right. Uh, 
I was I have a list here of some episodes in which Paul uh, was used a, a, a very certain and real skill in presenting evidences to audiences that he was teaching. Uh, Acts 17, verse 2, when Paul was in Thessalonica, it says, As his manner was, he went into them and three Sabbath days reasoned with them out of the Scriptures, opening and alleging that Christ must needs have suffered and risen from the dead and that this Jesus, whom I preach to you, is the Christ. In other words, what he did is he, he, he used the Scriptures, the Old Testament Scriptures, showing the prophecies about Jesus and the things that he would do and suffer and showed them that Jesus fulfilled those things. He presented a case to them for them to draw the conclusion that Jesus was the Messiah. All right. Uh, Acts chapter 1, verse 3, to whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them 40 days and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. So proofs, proofs, evidence, uh and well, there's just there's a there's a number of verses like that in the life of Paul, where he uh, Acts eighteen four he reasoned every day sure. and every Sabbath day, Acts What's eighteen a- nineteen he reasoned with the Jews, Acts twenty four twenty five he reasoned with Felix, uh, in uh, Philippians one verse seventeen Paul said, uh, I am set for the defense of the gospel, and the word for defense there is the word apologia he was going to make the case he was going to the things in the gospel. All right. So uh, he, he, he understood, we need to understand the very important link between faith and evidence. Jesus did as well. Paul did. And throughout the scriptures, we see these links. We asked the question, what are the links? And Don in Antioch responded, I'm not sure if I understand the question. If you're talking about the evidence God uses to give us the true faith, then the only evidence needed is his word, both from reading and hearing. But if you're talking about the evidence of our faith, then this would again be the word of God, but also the righteous way in which we live our lives. Okay. So Don says there's a link between evidence of faith. He finds that evidence in the scriptures. Okay. Uh, Anthony, uh, who's in Florida tonight, said, I once heard it said that rather than affirming I know what I believe, we should instead assert I know what I know. I believe, I'm going to say that again. I got that all wrong, Anthony. I once heard it said that rather than affirming I know what I believe, we should instead assert I believe what I know. Uh The idea is that our belief should not be based just on a blind faith or a feeling without evidence. Rather, our faith should be based on knowledge and evidence. The Bible does not call on man to take a leap of faith, as the popular catchphrase goes. God has given us plenteous evidence and proof of his existence and the inspiration of his word. If we believe in God simply because we feel good or smug about believing in something we cannot see, I think we've missed the point. Ironically, atheists must take a much bigger leap of faith than even the weakest Christians because they must believe that something came from nothing. Good comments there tonight. Exactly right, Anthony. And I think that's a point. We make it, but we should press it more and more that the atheist has to have faith. Absolutely. You know, if he... if because he's believing in things that cannot be produced or reproduced. He's believing that something came from nothing when the universe came into existence and that life sprang from non-living matter. And those things are not, cannot they, be demonstrated. They cannot be demonstrated. It's absolutely not. Uh, Kevin in the chat room references John chapter 1, verse 46. And Nathaniel said unto him, Can there any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said unto him, come and see. Kevin follows up with the question, can our evidence be come and see the Scripture? And we look at the Scripture as, uh, you know, in, you know, as Philip told Nathaniel, 
come and see Jesus? Can we go to the scriptures and come and find those facts out for ourselves? I think absolutely we can. All right. Uh, We've got an email from Stephen in Georgia who says, uh, in answer to the link between faith and and evidence, he says, uh, people today, believers and unbelievers, at least agree in the factual existence of a man named Jesus who lived 2,000 years ago because of many varied reasons. But this alone does not attest to who or what he was or claimed to be. Existential faith has nothing in common with Christian faith. The former is to believe without proof. The latter is believed because of proof. Unfortunately, most people I meet have never been shown or have not taken the time to examine the evidences. Fortunately for me, I inadvertently stumbled upon them while involving myself in the New Age movement and Eastern mysticism. So he was, Stephen said he was going down the road, uh, the wrong road and got confronted with the evidence for faith in Christ. All right. Uh, Stephen is in the chat room tonight and he's having a little trouble hearing us. Uh, if you have trouble hearing us, send us an email and let us know your issues. The number to call is 877-381-4567. Email address is questions at collegeu.com. And the chat room is abuzz with, well, I assume that there are other listeners tonight, but I have no proof that those are other listeners in there. That could be some type of computer program sending in those comments. You think that that's sort of a, a, a robotically generated uh, chat but room? But I have some evidence that it's not. Yeah, I know, see pictures of people. We here. know some of the people in there, and, and their comments seem to be characteristic of their personality. There you go. So we got we're having we've got some faith there that it's really them. Yeah, but it could be it could be an imposter. We we want to go to the nature of our evidence. Uh, the, the second question we asked Jacob was to give some examples of internal evidence and external evidence. Okay, now that you confuse some people with with that, uh, what what you exactly were looking for there? Give us a rundown of what you mean by internal evidence and external evidence. Okay, internal evidence involves things that we might conclude by just considering the Bible itself, the self, the things that are in it. What's in the Bible? What kind of things that are in the Bible? point to the conclusion that it is real, true, inspired of God, infallible, the infallible word of God. So internal evidence involves things that we the might nature argue. of the scriptures itself. With things we might argue just using the Bible itself. Okay. You know, now somebody might say that's that's kind of shaky if you're trying to talk to an atheist. For circular reasoning. Yeah, that if you're talking to an atheist and he doesn't believe in the Bible, how are you going to use the Bible to prove anything And he doesn't, when he doesn't believe the Bible? I think we can. I think we can use it. We're, we're not. Talking. You're not just saying, "Oh, the Bible's true because the Bible says it's true." It's, you know, I believe it because the Bible says so. No, that's not what we're saying. We're saying you can look at the Bible and some of the, some of the very makeup of the Bible, characteristics of the it, characters, traits. the traits of the Bible, and and make some conclusions about it. That's internal evidence. Just things we might consider from the Bible. So, external evidences are other fields of study that would. Point to the Bible and either confirm or deny some of the things. We'll talk about that when we come back. So from it's the break. external and it's apart from the scriptures, but they, it lends itself to, to proving the scriptures. Exactly. All right. Uh, now, now, real quick, before we go to the break, you know, you hear people say you can't prove there is a God. Now, what they mean by that probably is that scientifically you can't prove God because scientific proof requires you go into a laboratory you reproduce conditions, and you you repetitively observe the outcome, and so that's that's empirical evidence. That's what we would call empirical evidence. You, you re- repeat the process, you get the same result, you observe that, you measure it, you mark it down, you draw a conclusion. Mm-hmm. If if that's what people mean when they say you can't prove there's a God, then we would have to agree. We can't reproduce God. We can't we can't 
analyze him in a scientific laboratory. Right. But that's not the only kind of proof there is. Mm-hmm. For instance, can you prove that George Washington was the first president of the United States? No. Yes, you can, but not in a not in a science laboratory. Oh, not in a science laboratory. Okay. So, so there's other kinds of proof besides scientific proof, and I think that when we're dealing with people and they say you can't prove there is a God, uh, then they they are saying you can't prove it scientifically or empirically. But if they will stop for a minute to consider, there's a lot of things that we that we believe in that are not measurable scientifically. For instance. Uh, have you ever seen love? No. But do you believe there is such a thing as love? Yes. Uh, justice. You, you, can you can you go into a laboratory and produce and measure and observe justice? No, but we believe there is such a thing as justice. So these things are real, not empirically provable, but still real. God is not empirically provable in the sense of that laboratory we're describing, but he's still real and can be proved. All right, we'll take a break and we'll talk about some of those evidences, the internal evidences and the external evidences. What do you think? Get in the chat room now or send us an email or better yet, give us a call and give us some of those internal evidences. Why do you believe God exists from the Bible? Why do you believe the Bible is true? Why do you believe that Jesus is, in fact, the Son of God? Why do you have faith as a result of the internal evidence you can see in the Scriptures? We're going to talk about that on the other side of the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's Bullet Point. When it comes to sports, we do it. In business, we do it. In almost every field of endeavor, we look for role models. We try to find others who've been successful and then we imitate them. God's Word tells us to do the same thing in spiritual matters. The best role models are found right there in the scriptures. Jesus is the ultimate example. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 21, we read, Hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow in his steps. Other great heroes of the faith serve as good role models too. Paul urged us to be, quote, followers of me, even as I also am of Christ, 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. In another place, he wrote, Brethren, be followers together of me, and mark them which walk so as you have us for an example. Philippians 3.17 Hebrews chapter 11 is full of examples of faithful men and women who serve as worthy patterns for us to imitate. Some might complain that it is hard to fully relate to someone that we can only read about in a book. They might say, Paul was a great Christian, but we live in a different world. It's hard to imagine how Paul would deal with our situation. For these folks, let us suggest that they can also look to their own brethren. In any church, there are faithful, zealous, devoted Christians who are working hard to live for the Lord. They resist temptation, spread the word, encourage others, and generally work tirelessly to do His will. Look to them. Imitate them. We know this method works. In all sorts of endeavors, we look for winners and we copy them. Let's do the same thing when it comes to our most important endeavor, serving God. That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm Arthur Haynes from Kaleoka, Tennessee, and one of my greatest highlights of the week is to listen to the virtual Bible study. And whatsoever ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by Him. Colossians 3:17. Now, back to the program. And we're back on the program tonight. We appreciate you for being a part of it. As we look at evidences for our faith, again, we're not uh, suggesting that we have to have a blind leap of faith. God doesn't expect that from us. God has given us proofs. Jesus understood that we needed proof. The apostles understood that we needed proof for our faith. And God has given us the evidence. We're talking about that evidence on the program tonight. 
And we look forward to hearing from you on the phone, over email, or in the chat room as we talk about this faith. I want to look at the internal evidence. What evidence do we have from the scriptures themselves that help us to prove our faith? Let me do a little rundown here, and then we'll read some of the comments we're getting. We'd be glad to get your uh, uh, input in the chat room or by email. Um, let, let me give you a rundown of some, some of the kind of things we're talking about, the very nature of the Bible itself, which is an internal evidence of its inspiration. The Bible was written by approximately 40 different human penmen. God used 40 different 40. men. Approximately 40, approximately 40, because we don't know the author of every book. Okay. But we believe that approximately 40 different men were used by God to write down the things that God wanted written down. When you think about that, those men lived in different parts of the world, uh, and over a long time span, the Bible was written over a period of about 1,500 years. The oldest Ooh, parts, a long of, time. The oldest parts of the Bible in the Old Testament are about 1,500 years B.C. And of course, the newest parts of the Bible were written. The newest parts were, are about 2,000 years old, but they were written in the first century A.D. Okay. So over a period of about 1,500 years, these men were writing. They didn't even all live in the same place. Moses wrote from the Sinai wilderness. Daniel from Babylon. Jeremiah from Jerusalem. Paul wrote from a prison in Rome. 1,500 years is a long time. Yeah, and they didn't live in the same places. They didn't come from the same educational backgrounds. Here's a list I've put together. Uh, Moses was educated in the wisdom of Egypt and was reared as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. David was a powerful and successful king. Amos was a common herdsman. Daniel was a statesman in Babylon. Ezekiel was a priest. Luke was a physician. Matthew was a tax collector. They didn't come from the same kind of backgrounds. Okay. And they didn't even all speak the same languages. Now, think about that. Forty different men over 1,500 years from from a variety of different backgrounds didn't even all speak the same languages. What's the chance you could get those 40 men to sit down and write something, and then you put their writings, you com- compile them all, and there's not any contradiction in it? That's amazing to me. But you, 1,500 years, That what was going on 1,500 years from today? From today, you know that was the, that was the year approximately 500 A.D. Wow! You know, Columbus sailed the ocean blue in 1492. That seems like a long, just time over ago. 500 years ago. 500. We're talking about three times longer than that. Yeah. Imagine the different views of things that they had in. We were talking about. We were talking about George Washington a minute ago. George Washington was what about 225, 250 years ago. Wow. We're talking 1,500 years ago. You know, you also talked about that flat Earth society. They would have had a lot more. Uh, they would have a lot more members back there in Columbus's day, just 500 years ago, than they would have yeah. today. Things change. People have different views of things over just so, a few years, let alone 1,500. So this is what we're talking about when we talk about some of the kinds of internal evidences that cause us to have faith. <laughs> Eric and, says he doesn't think he can do it without contradictions if he wrote it himself, exactly let alone right. with 40 different people. Oh, exactly right. Spanned over that time with the different backgrounds and the different education. Yeah, exactly right. Uh, let's see if I, in the chat room, if you all got some uh, uh, some examples of internal evidence, let us know. we got some emails here. Don says, I, if I understand the question, the word God gives us, uh, the word God gives us an internal evidence of our faith, which we manifest externally through righteous living. That's not what we meant by that. I think Don misunderstood the question. Well, that's okay. It was a little yeah, bit yeah, ambiguous. Yeah, yeah. That, that be, it, my, was, it was fine. Yeah. Okay, Eric uh, is in the chat room tonight. He's in Fayetteville, Tennessee, and he sends in internal evidence for Jesus being the Son of God. In John chapter 5, Jesus points to several witnesses that can still serve as evidence for us today. Number one, John the Baptist's testimony. 
Number two, the works that he did, the miracles attested by eyewitnesses in the gospel. Number three, the father's testimony, presumably at his baptism and transfiguration, attested by John and Peter. And number four, the scriptures, the many fulfilled prophecies. Exactly. The fulfilled prophecies is a powerful sign, a powerful kind of evidence in the Bible. Fulfilled prophecies and their fulfillment in the Bible. Powerful. Uh, You know, the, the, the testimony... Uh, the father's testimony, but also the testimony of the eyewitnesses. He said, "Jesus, uh, the works Jesus did by miracles attested by eyewitnesses in the gospel." I, I think the testimony of those eyewitnesses is a powerful thing. Why were they willing to suffer what they suffered as time rolled on, except that they believed what they had personally seen? They said yeah. that's that powerful. Yeah. So I you, think you're right. I think those are good examples, you, Eric. You know, the apostles went from being Cowards, deserting cowards within just a few weeks, perhaps. They go from that to standing before the same people that Jesus was crucified by and attesting the things that they had denied just weeks earlier. Uh, there certainly is some powerful evidence there. Yeah, uh, Anthony mentions the Bible's veracity. Uh, evidences of the Bible's veracity are such things as fulfilled prophecy, historical and scientific accuracy, Foreknowledge, the complete harmony of the Bible, despite the multiplicity of authors, languages, the span of hundreds and hundreds of years. I think he's exactly right. Uh, uh, one of the things that w- he mentioned, scientific accuracy, foreknowledge, historical accuracy, and so forth. We're going to talk about those because that's sort of a blend between the idea of internal and external evidence. We'll talk about that in a minute, but I think Anthony's on the mark. All right, and uh, Stephen uh, sends in his comments, examples of internal evidence, internal the 100 and so or so prophecies that Jesus fulfilled down to the exact day and hour of his death, 3 p.m. on the 14th of Nisan and the first month and the day of the Passover, at the exact moment the Levitical priests were cutting the throats of the, uh, the uh, Passover lamb. Also, the harmony of every book of the Bible holding the same crimson thread th- in and through every story. There are about 300 types of shadow, types and shadows of Messiah that comes through as ample proof of God's hand throughout the Bible pointing to Jesus. By contrast, let a Muslim show me even one prophecy or type of or in shadow of Muhammad being a prophet of God. And so he looks at uh, the unity of the uh, message of the Bible as well as its uh, its harmonious theme. Okay. I, I do think that's interesting. You know, somebody has pointed out a thing that's kind of interesting. In the first chapters of Genesis... Access to the tree of life is lost mm-hmm. to mankind. Mm-hmm. In the final chapters of Revelation, access to the tree of life is restored. And there's a, the, the theme, unbroken theme runs through the, the scriptures as to the, how, how man fell and regained uh, that, that access to the tree of life in the presence of God. It, it is a uni, unity of theme. I think it's very it good. Is. And, and again, you're talking about writers spanning 1,500 years, you know, if if we got five writers together in the room today, we wrote it over a period of five, 15 minutes, likely one of the writers would want to change the theme somewhere along in the story, but that theme is uh, unanimous uh, and harmonious throughout the scriptures. Okay, David in the chat room mentioned Psalm 19.1 as an internal evidence that God exists. I would actually say this is an external evidence. But, but we it's might, internal to the Scriptures. The Scriptures mention it, but it says, of course, Psalm 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament showeth his handiwork. In other words, when you look at nature, you know there must be a God. But I would argue, by definition, that's an external evidence that God exists. There, in other words, we are here, the universe exists in great 
design and in, you know there was an obvious intelligence behind it mm-hmm. and that points to the fact there must be there must be a supreme being that created all these things something something that is supersedes and is greater than the physical universe must have made this physical universe so the physical universe is an external argument for the fact there must be such a being the bible tells us who that being is and and tells us his mind all right Eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven. Questions at collegeview.com. Steve in the chat room says Genesis and Revelation are like the crust of a loaf of bread. So I think it's going to the comment I was making about, yeah, about the, the, uni- the unified the, thing. Sort of like bookends. I don't know though. I don't. I throw the crust away. So maybe that's not a good analogy. <laughs> okay. They're uh, bookends, as you said. They, they. 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 There you go. Okay. I think. Okay. Now we we wanted we wanted to think more about external some of the external evidences. In regards to the external evidences of, uh, that we might look to, they would be things like science, history, archaeology, geography. In other words, other fields of study. External to the scriptures. External to the scriptures. Pointing to what but, the scriptures But we can, we can use them to analyze the scriptures to see if they're so. For instance, archaeology. I've got a quote here that I've used a number of times from a Jewish archaeologist named Nelson Gluck. And he wrote... It may be stated categorically that no archaeological discovery has ever controverted a biblical reference. Scores of archaeological findings have been made which confirm in clear outline or exact detail historical statements in the Bible. So archaeology is an external field of study that when you use it and compare it to the Bible, you find out what they're digging up confirms what the Bible has said all along. You know, and that's an amazing statement because... Archaeological finds have disproven things that archaeologists thought were proven facts based upon their studies. Yep. I mean, they've disproven a lot of things that they thought were proven facts, but they have not disproven anything from the Scripture. So there's archaeology as an external evidence. Right. Here, another one is history. Here's a quote from a book called The, Sci- the Bible, Science, and Creation by S.M. Coder and G.F. Howe. And they wrote, The Scriptures name a great many nations, kings, cities, and villages linking them with specific dates and events during thousands of years without making, without ever making a single error. So secular history is a field of study that when you use it and compare it to the Bible, it confirms the Bible. It's an external source, but it confirms what the Bible says. So we've got archaeology that confirms the geography. We've got history that confirms the timeline of the scriptures. Uh, geography is another one. Uh, geography. Farrell Jenkins wrote in his Introduction to Christian Evidences, it has been my privilege to visit the lands of the Bible almost annually since 1967 and to participate in the archaeological excavation at Lachish. My study of these places and customs that I had read about since childhood has come to life in such a vivid way that I have been much impressed with the accuracy of the Bible in describing them. In other words, when the Bible simply describes geographical locations and relationship mm. to one another, it is accurate in in that way as well. There are certain people that you could ask about geography questions today with all of the mapping that we have of, of our, our land. And if you were asked people geographical questions today, many people in an audience would get those things wrong. Yeah. You ask them relationship, uh, which is far, you know. If you were going to, if you were going to drive from here to Nashville, which direction which, would you drive? Which cities would you pass through? Yeah. Those are things that the scriptures talk about. But the Bible has to be accurate in those things. In other words, if the Bible's not accurate in those it's things. It's not an atlas, but. It's not intended to be a geography book or a science book or a general history book, for that matter. But when it touches on those things, it's got to be right if it's from God, and it is. Right. And that confirms that it is from God. Right. Uh, 
uh, see Anthony said external evidences of God existence are many are mainly the obvious design that we see in the universe. Also, there's no other explanation for the beginning of life and our universe. There had to be a first uncaused cause, something that existed before the material universe existed. I also think the fact that mankind has always sought a higher power is evidence of God's nature in us. In the same vein, I think that I think the fact that humans have a notion of beauty, aesthetics, and an appreciation for music is very powerful evidence of God's image in us. Why would natural selection have selected the ability to discern beauty? How would evolution have produced a pleasure reaction in humans to the specific arrangement of sounds that we call music? God has always required musical worship, and I think it's a very clear indication that he endowed us with this appreciation for music. You know, that's an exact, that, what Anthony's saying there is exactly true. Do you know any animal that appreciates fine art? No. There's something different about the humankind. God created us in that sense. So I appreciate what Anthony's had to say. say All right. Uh, Stephen, uh, since in his feedback, he says the miracles of Jesus attest as examples why I place my faith in him. John chapter 21, verses 30 through 31. But these have been written to you that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. Uh, and, and the empty tomb is further evidence of his mastering sin and death. And so he looks at uh, the miracles and the fulfilled promises as external evidence. Uh, in the chat room, David mentions the historian Josephus provides external evidence. I think he's right. In other words, there's a secular historian, not an inspired man, but he mentions things that confirm that what's said in the Bible is true. All right, Stephen is in the chat room tonight. He says uh, that the anchor of the ship that shipwrecked with Paul has been found. I have not heard anything like that. I don't I know how they not. would know that. But, uh, of course, the name, the, the, the there was some... I'd have to go back and read Acts, but there were some identifying, there were some known identity of that ship that Paul mm -hmm. sailed on. Maybe they uh, found a name on it. I don't know. I haven't heard anything about it. Eric said that ship had four anchors. It's hard to believe they'd be confident about finding one, but it is interesting. But the point of it is, and uh, again, we don't know about, I, I don't know about that anchor business, but the point of it is many archaeological things have been discovered that do confirm the Bible. And that's external evidence that proves the Bible is true. Let's take our last break, Jacob, and then let's go to the last thing we want to talk about. What's the advantage of studying evidences anyway? Why, what, what do we get out of it? What's the benefit to the Christian to have a... a we should uh, have started the program with that so people would have stuck around. We've <laughs> <laughs> got a lot of people listening. So. Okay, we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Benefits of studying evidences. Don't go anywhere. We could go to the top of the hour right after this. Did you hear what they just said? Call in during this break and let everyone know what you think. The virtual Bible study continues after this announcement. Hello. Hey, Matt. No, I don't have any plans for Friday night. What are you doing? Oh, I won't be able to go with you to watch that movie. Because, Matt, the movie is rated R. Hey, why don't you just come over and hang out at my house Friday night? Great, I'll see you there. Being pleasing to God means that you may have to be different than the crowd, but don't be afraid to stand up for what's right. It just might find that it's easier than what you expect. A message brought to you by College View Church of Christ. My name is Jack Coleman, a member of the College View Church of Christ. We're glad you're listening to the virtual Bible study, and we hope you'll tell others about the program. We're always open to your feedback concerning topics for discussion and suggestions as how we can make the program more effective. Drop us a line at questions at collegeview.com or call us toll-free at 877-381-4567. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The virtual Bible study. Take it away, guys. 
And we're back on the virtual Bible study tonight. We'll remind you this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us by visiting our website, collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And if you are listening to us in our podcast uh, version, if you're listening to this in a recorded version, we are glad that you're listening. And we'd like to hear from you. If you have any questions or comments about the things you've heard on this program or any program, give us a call or send us an email at any time. And you might just take a minute to send us an email let us know that you're listening. Uh, we do appreciate you uh, staying subscribed to our podcast and for listening to our program. We have a question in the chat room by Joiner, and he has stumped us tonight. But we are going to go to the, we're going to the bullpen, and uh, Jeff is behind uh, the controls tonight and uh, can answer the question. Uh, Joiner asks the question. Says I've seen a lot of writing saying there's a difference between faith and belief. Is there really a difference, Jeff? Your thoughts on that? Well, we use your believer can confess and be baptized remain faithful as our steps to salvation and hebrews alone verse 6 says without faith it is impossible to please him which is a verse we use for that okay so it seems like they're interchangeable using it in the context that we do okay so jeff says there's no difference between faith and belief that i i'm i'm going to line up with Jeff on that. I, I don't know. That, I think they are used interchangeably in the Scripture. I, I don't know that you know. can make a distinction. Yeah, Alan says, to me, belief holds out the possibility of turning out to be false. Faith does not. All right. I don't know about that. I don't know. Uh, yeah. that, that's an interesting question. Uh, I don't know where else to go with it, but I think Jeff's shown us one place where they seem to be clearly used interchangeably. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. Stephen says back back to that the anchor on the on the ship uh, from Paul's shipwreck. He says the location of it was the giveaway when they found it. I guess it being on the bottom of the ocean maybe gave it away. Hmm. Okay, uh, I'll have to read on that. I have to read I'm, that. I'm, yeah. I'm not up on that. Yeah. Okay. All right. Uh, we're talking about uh, why, why should we study evidences? What are the benefits? Uh, give us your thoughts in the chat room tonight. What are All the benefits right. of studying evidences? Uh, Stephen says. What are the benefits of studying evidences? First, it will make a believer out of the unbeliever. It is the first step in, of a journey of a thousand miles, to quote Confucius. Secondly, it will deepen one's, deepen one's faith for when the day of trouble comes. Mm. In addition, it affords the teacher a broader palette of choices to draw from when reaching out to someone who doesn't believe or who is shipwrecked in, in the rocks of error and, or denominationalism. All right. So I think those are good points. I think he's right on that. Don says studying the evidence helps us to live our lives in a manner acceptable to God. And that would be, I think, what uh, conclusion Don is making there, that studying the evidence provides us with faith, and faith allows us to live as we should. I think that's how we connect the dots there with, with uh, Don's okay. explanation. All right. Uh, and Anthony says evidence is, is a very important study because without a proper foundation of why we believe what we believe, we are prone to be tossed to and fro with every wind of doctrine, Ephesians 4.14. We should be ready to give a defense of our faith based on the evidences. The world around us is becoming more and more atheistic. I think he's right about that. All right. Uh, let, let me give you a list of, of some reasons that I wrote down why we should study evidences. First of all, because we got to believe ourselves. I think that's the starting point. Why study evidences? Because we have to believe. Because I've got to believe. For your I've own got, personal benefit. For my own benefit. To establish and strengthen my own faith, I need to study evidences. It's got to be more than it's what my daddy believed. It's what he told me. Okay. Uh, you know, I, I, I read a, a humorous uh, story about a little boy who was asked to define faith. Mm-hmm. 
And, of course, he knew faith was a word that related to religion. And so he said, it's when you believe something that you know isn't true. Yeah, that's a little – no, I think that's wrong. Obviously wrong. Uh, it, in fact, the, the Bible warns us about being too ready to believe. Ooh. Uh, in uh, Acts 17, verse 11, the Bereans were commended because they didn't just take what they heard and accept it without question. It says they searched the scriptures daily to see whether those things were so. Yeah. So, you know, we're not to take a blind leap of faith. We're not supposed to just believe anything and swallow swallow it without investigation. We're supposed to check it out. We're Jesus warned about that. In Mark chapter 13, verse 21, Then if any man say to you, Lo, here is Christ, or lo, here he, he is there, believe him not, for false Christ and false prophet shall arise and shall, shall show signs and wonders to seduce, if it were possible, even the elect. Yeah. Several several places when Jesus was teaching personally, like Mark 4:24, Luke 8:18, 8, he said, Take heed how you hear. In other words, be careful in, in the hearing. Don't be gullible. Don't just believe everything. First John 4, verse 1, uh, John tells us to try the spirits, whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. Uh, in First Thessalonians 5, 21, it says, Prove all things, hold fast that which is good. Now that's important. You know, if, if this is all based upon faith, and faith is just simply without any evidence, how could I do that? How could I? How could I know? You've who? got to prove all things. You've got to. You've got to see whether it's right. Okay. And therefore, you've got to be able to investigate the evidence. So, for my first reason, and this is very much in line with what others have sent in, uh, the uh, the purpose of evidence study is for my own faith first. Secondly, so that I can help strengthen the faith of others. In Luke twenty-two, at verse thirty-two. When Jesus was foretelling that Peter would uh, deny him, mm-hmm. he said in Luke twenty-two thirty-two, I have prayed for thee, Peter, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Mm-hmm. So do things that will help others be strengthened. And I, I think Peter took that to heart, and that became his life's work. And he did do that over in First Peter, or excuse me, Second Peter chapter one. Second Peter chapter one, verse twelve. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though you know them and be established in the present truth. Verse 16, he said, We've not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. So Paul then did use his experience and his conviction, his faith, to strengthen the faith of others. Once he became fully convinced, then he used those same kind of powerful evidence proofs to convince others. All right. Let us know your thoughts. Why should we study evidences? Do you have any other things you'd like to add? Uh, join in the chat room tonight quickly in the remaining minutes of the program. And I would add a, a third reason, Jacob. First Peter 3.15. Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asks you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We're actually commanded to be ready to explain why we believe what we believe. The word there, answer, be ready to give an answer is the same word that we mentioned earlier in Philippians 1.17. It's translated to make a defense of the gospel. Here it's, it's the word answer, to make, to give an answer. But it's the same Greek word, apologia, from which we get the, uh, the word apologetics. The study of apologetics is the study of evidences in the Bible. The, the, the word means 
according to Vine, a verbal defense, a speech in defense. And so we're supposed to be ready to give a defense. And I, I think that's a, a, an awesome responsibility that Christians need to take seriously. You need to be ready to defend what you believe, to make the case, to present an argument that leads to the conclusion that what, what you're saying is true from the Word of God. It is a command. And, again, it can't just be, oh, well, it's it's just faith. I have it. I can't explain it. No, there's got to be some explanation here. Uh, Jeff, uh, you have made a good comment in the chat room. Uh, you think this is fundamental and crucial to our our purpose as Christians. I do. Um, you're talking about baptism, any of the elemental things you're wanting to teach people. you got to know it. you got to research it, have the evidence to back up what you say. Exactly, exactly. All right. Um, uh, you know, Jesus told uh, the the one he had cured uh, uh, of the who was possessed of a demon. He said in Mark five verse nineteen, Jesus suffered him not. He wanted to go with Jesus. He said to him, Go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. He wanted him him to go home and share this evidence that exactly. Jesus was the Son of God. He's exactly right. Um, and one more thing I would add here. Uh, Evidence, and, and Stephen mentioned this in his email, evidence is an effective tool for evangelism. If you stop and think about Acts chapter 2, uh, the first gospel sermon, what was that primarily about? It was primarily about evidences. Here's Peter preaching to a whole crowd of people who didn't believe in Jesus yet. What did he do? He presented the evidence. He talked about the miracles Jesus performed. He talked about fulfilled prophecies that Jesus fulfilled. And he talked about them as eyewitnesses to these things. And so he presented evidences to a whole crowd of unbelievers. What's he going to do? He's going to talk evidences. And so evidences is a, a powerful proof of uh, a powerful way to reach out to the lost, a means of evangelism. All right. Uh, well, we have had a good discussion about evidences and uh, shown their importance and uh, some, given some evidence as to why we believe what we believe. I think it's critical that we understand why we believe what we believe, have proof for what we believe. Uh, so as many have mentioned in our responses tonight, so we can have confidence and we can stand against the attacks to our faith that approach us on a daily basis. Joyner mentions in the chat room, there are many third, second, third generation Christians in the Church of Christ. Most do what they have been told by their parents. It is essentially know why they do it and why they believe that way. And Eric says if they don't know, they'll be easy targets. Exactly right. All right. Well, our time is up, and uh, it's been another good program. Well, I hope we've dealt with something, some things there that are important and, and uh, might be an encouragement. We need to we need to have our faith well grounded, and so uh, studying evidence is, is essential for that. All right. Well, what are we going to talk about next week? Not sure. We'll be we'll be open to suggestions. We need an interview. Maybe we can get somebody to interview us. Uh, those are usually popular programs. Maybe we can get something. They're 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 interesting. All right. Well, uh, appreciate your time tonight, Dad. Thank you, Jacob. Jeff. Uh, good job behind the controls. Thanks for being here tonight, and uh, thank you for being on the other end of the line. We hope you benefited from our study and discussion of God's Word. We hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. And in the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired Word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. 
Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.